When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey country music fans of New England, this is Russell James of the band Scarlet Drive, and we'll be bringing a night of country music rock and roll to one of the best original music venues in Boston. Thursday, February 16th, we're bringing our patio tour to the Brighton Music Hall in Alston, Massachusetts, for a Thirsty Thursday event you do not want to miss. Thursday, February 16th, Boots and Whiskey presents the Scarlet Drive Patio Tour with special guests Houston Bernard and Nick Casey. Tickets are $15 presale with reservations through our website at scarletdrive.com or $20 at the box office the day of. We hope to see you there and thank you for supporting live music. Now, after years of planning, sweating, and going broke, here is the Boots and Whiskey Podcast with Jim Belial. You can email the show at bootsandwhiskeypodcast at gmail.com. That's bootsandwhiskeypodcast at gmail.com. Mr. Swimming with Bow-Legged Women. All social media can be found at Boots and Whiskey Podcast. The show is great, even if you're sober. Well, my advice to you. Start drinking heavily. Jim loves his music and his whiskey. A real woman could stop you from drinking. It has to be a real big woman. This is the Boots and Whiskey Podcast with Jim Belisle. Great music, great booze, and fun, even for you non-drinkers. Y'all want to drink whiskey? <laughs> I'd like a Coca-Cola in a clean glass. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the final episode of the month of January here at the Boots and Whiskey Podcast. As always, my name is Jim. I am your host, this is the last episode of these feel-good stories or, um, you know, important stories. Um, today we have Bailey James on the program, and I really kind of grappled with myself with this one because I wasn't sure if I wanted to make it the first episode of the month or the last in this series, and I think it was important to make it the last. Um, reason being, we talk about some heavy, heavy shit here. Um so for those of you, I'm going to put a little disclaimer on this episode. And I don't typically do that. Um, first and foremost, um, we talk about suicide. Um, and we talk about it pretty openly on this episode. So if you or anyone you know has grappled with the thought of suicide, you know, there's plenty of people out there to help. You're not alone. Um, you know, you're just not alone. So if you're ever, you know, feeling like you are or whatever, you know, there's, there's, like I said, there's plenty of help out there to, to get, um, and you're not alone, you know, you have people that love you. You have people that care about you. Um, we here at the Boots and Whiskey podcast, we love you. We care about you. Um, you know, so even if it's, a just to throw us a message, you know, saying, Hey, you know, I just wanted somebody to talk to. We're always here a hundred percent. Um, but with that being said, I don't want to make this sound like it's a, a downer of an episode, but we do talk about some heavy stuff. Um, and I just wanted you to be aware of it. Um, other than that, I think the conversation is awesome. Um, it really down to earth. Uh, Bailey James is a wonderful, wonderful young lady. Um, and I, you know, she's got an edge to her folks. She does. And, um, you know, she's taking music seriously. She's also working full time. You know, she's doing it. She's living the American dream, I would say. Um, I don't want to give too much of her story away because she tells it great. Um, so really, without further ado, I'm going to send it over to Bailey now. And I hope you enjoy the episode. And Bailey, thank you so much for telling your story so openly and giving others, you know, 
hopefully a sense of hope. And um, here you are, Bailey James. We want to give a big shout out to our friends over at Off the Rails here in Worcester, Massachusetts at 90 Commercial Street, Worcester. They have the best food, the best music around. You will not go wrong. Go to their website, offtherailsworcester.com. You can see their lineup of shows. You can see their menu. You can see the local talent they have. Absolute fantastic people. We love being a part of the Off the Rails family, and we love having them being part of our family. Thank you so much to Off the Rails. Enjoy the rest of the episode. Good morning, Bailey. Hi, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I am awake. (laughs) (laughs) I'm here. That's good. That's good. Well, thanks. Yeah. First and foremost, thanks for being on. It's it's um it's a pleasure having you. Yeah, thank you for having me. Absolutely. Um, like I told you through text, um, this is about you. So I want you to go ahead and and tell your story, and and I'll jump in. Okay. Um, do you want me to go from the very beginning? Sure. Where, wherever okay. you want to start is where you, where we start. Okay. So I um have always had a love for country music, music in general. Uh, I remember as a kid, one of my first memories was uh, being like driven to ballet and my dad would sing Johnny Cash to me in the car, Um, like walk the line and Folsom prison blues. And um, that's kind of where my love for music started. And those were the only two songs I knew when I was like six at the time. Um, and as I got older, I was just introduced to all the greats of country music. So I really wasn't listening to what was on the radio. I was listening to like Patsy Cline and Hank Williams. And um, when I was around 11, I decided that this was something I wanted to pursue full time. And at 11, I wasn't really, I didn't really know what I was getting myself into, but I knew that I loved music. Now, and so. Sorry, I don't mean to cut you off, but were you, were no, you playing fine. music or singing or playing guitar or whatever before 11? Uh, I was singing before 11. Okay. Yeah. I, but when I could learn how to speak, I was singing. I wasn't sure what I was singing, but. Yeah. Um, Everyone in my family were like teachers and athletes and I wasn't really good at any of that. So (laughs) music was kind of my outlet and my thing. Um, And around 11, I I said to my parents, like, I really want to do music seriously. And for some reason, they they took me seriously. And um, I, I went into this little studio back home. I'm from Philly originally. Uh, and I did a demo or two. I think it was Crazy by Patsy Klein and Blue by Leanne Rhymes and an opera song because I'm operatically trained. Really? That, yeah. Wow. So, yeah. <laughs> Which was not intentional at all. The only really good vocal teacher where I'm from in my little small town was like a world-renowned opera singer back in the day, and she toured with Pavarotti. And um, she taught me everything I know about vocal health and the voice in general. Um, So she was absolutely amazing. And that really helps me out a lot. But I I took that demo down to Nashville and I started giving it to anyone that would listen and kind of started building my team. So so could you could you belt out some opera right now if you if you had to? I so the opera songs I was doing were like Italian operas um I think I can't even remember the name of it but occasionally I will it takes it takes a lot of warming up though yeah yeah I can imagine (laughs) damn that's that's incredible because you know I gotta say, out of all of the people I've talked to, you're the first person to have said that they have opera training, and that's 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 incredible. Thank you. What people don't understand is that the best vocalists ever are opera singers, and there there's not many around anymore because it's just not as popular. But they have the have the best vocal agility and stamina, and just. In general, operas are harder to sing. So being taught how to 
protect my voice, but also do things with my voice I didn't know how to do at such a young age was really beneficial. Yeah, and nobody understands what the hell opera singers are saying anyway. So no, <laughs> you know, no. <laughs> I, I I know this is like a way this is like way going going out of out of off direction here, but and totally different. But I've seen the Phantom of the Opera live probably like two or three times, but I still have to listen to the soundtrack to know what the hell they're saying. I guess for me, I've just listened to it so much, I start to understand language. Sure. Sure. And I think every opera singer is different. Um, yeah. But she, like the the lady I worked with, her name's Deanna Reed. And she was just so like eccentric and what you would think of an opera singer and had all these insane stories. And so I really looked up to her as a vocalist and as a person. And she shaped my voice today. People always ask me um, why I sound the way I do and why I sing the way I do. It's It's because of her. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I was listening to, you know, some of your music that you have out and, um, you know, I was going to comment about how um, it has an edge to it that, you know, I don't I don't want to say it sounds like everybody else because it doesn't. But it, it has that familiar familiarity, if that's even the right word I want, um, that you you hear your songs and you're like, oh, I know this. I know this sound. But the sound of your voice gives it that kind of like, you know, kick in the ass that, you know, some others don't have. Oh, well, I appreciate that. I, I yeah. think I back in the beginning when I when I start because I made a holy P when I was 11 too. Holy shit. Um, what are you like a yeah. child prodigy? I uh, looking back, I'm like, what were you doing? <laughs> <laughs> like, the, couldn't couldn't you just like go outside and be normal? right? right. Could you just be a normal eleven year old girl for God's sake? No, I I knew what I wanted to do from the beginning. And looking back at those songs, I I cringe a little inside, but they're really cute. Um, at that time, I wasn't songwriting at all. I had nothing to songwrite about. And, right. Well, at eleven, um, I mean, you can, yeah, you barely know your ass from your elbow. They would throw me into rooms with these Nashville writers. And I remember one time I fell asleep during the write. Yeah. 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 So Bailey, was, can you tell uh, me, can you tell me about lunch today at school? Like, <laughs> what, you and know? that's what they kind of, yeah, that's cool. They were schoolyard tunes. Right. Um, and my voice was also different back then. And I've like researched a lot on how just like trauma can affect the voice and can change your singing voice. And uh, I think I was listening to like, Miley Cyrus on uh, Joe Rogan's podcast and she was talking about when she went through a lot of trauma and went through a lot of just insane things in her life her voice deepened and so did mine so now I'm like here with this much deeper voice than I used to have and I think trauma like truly affects your voice and I've been through a lot so so all right so I I hate I hate digging shit up like this but you brought it up Um, when you say trauma do you mean like things you've put yourself through or outside oh, well, forces don't be sorry for asking I'm, I'm pretty much an open book um no so i lost my brother to suicide when he was 18 jesus christ and at the time i was 16 um and i had been pretty much making music consistently uh i i had like a little bit of steam going now and a following and my socials were doing really good um and I just remember from that like moment on I was in fight or flight for at least two years so everything everyone saw on social media it was like just half of the picture um and my my dad fell into alcoholism at the time he was a really um active alcoholic for about three years and um I was still doing music though and still putting on this face as if everything was okay but I started to have really really bad anxiety to the point I would have like anxiety attacks that lasted a couple hours a day and um I had to drop out of school and get homeschooled and I never had to do that in my life I just started high school in Tennessee, we had just moved a week before my brother um, took his life to Tennessee, and 
so there was just a lot a lot going on wow. looking back, yeah looking back I was like I was doing fine and I was right. with it as best as I could but I was a mess and um I was scared to talk about it with people online because people online are brutal. They're oh, yeah, chronically they're online. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, the, uh, the people that live in mom and dad's basement that have nothing yes. fucking better to do. <laughs> and um, when I finally did come out with it, there was a lot of support and a lot of love. But there was also people who were like, you're using his death as a way um, to get attention. or, And I'm Jesus. like... You guys don't know. I'm I'm 16 at the time. Right. I'm still a baby, and so these comments affected me, and I just struggled with my mental health for the years after that. And uh, I finally became open about it last year because I was done hiding it, and I kind of got to a breaking point with all of it. And so I was just honest with everyone and honest about our story and what was actually going on. I was a super wild child behind the scenes. I had this very good girl image, but I was like going out and drinking with my friends and partying all the time. And partially that was because I was really, 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 really sad. Yeah. Um, super. And that's well, right. all the trauma <laughs> that I'm talking about. No, sure. Uh, I mean, cause I mean, you think about it, right. And you know, if were you and your brother very close before, he died so we were close we weren't as close as i'd like to be he's my half brother so we have same dad different mom okay um and before he passed my dad had moved him out to tennessee so they were living here before me and my mom were um just because he wanted to kind of get him out of the situation he was in let him have his own life because he was being so closely watched. He he was one of those people who just could not get a grasp on his mental health. It was like he had this hole inside of him. Um, and so me and him weren't as close as I wanted to be. Um, and that's why I was so excited to move to Tennessee. Because I had never really had that relationship with my siblings. They had lived in California. Um for a lot of their life and uh but we still i mean he's still my brother right 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 and, and it, i also was like dealing with the because at that time it felt like i'd lost my dad too yeah just because sure. like he wasn't the same person at all wow yeah you know and and at the at the i've never been a 16 year old girl but i can imagine um you know, knowing 16 year old girls when I was 16, like there was, and looking back at life, like that's a very formidable time for, you know, girls, let alone boys. You know, I can only imagine, you know, that that'll, that'll fuck you up pretty, pretty bad. Yeah. Yeah. And it did. And uh, I didn't realize the amount of trauma I guess I had till I went to therapy and I started (laughs) I started talking it all out and they were like well we understand why you're not okay right um (laughs) and so I, I I went to therapy started talking it out I wasn't open about it till I turned 18 and I was like okay I can help other people with this this can be a tool instead of always being like a burden and always having to um handle things in a different way just because of the way my brain is wired and so I started um, a little mental health movement and I've been very very open about what was actually happening at that time and when I finally told my story it was super super freeing and a lot of people who didn't understand before seemed to understand then Um, probably because I was finally being authentic to who I actually was because Back in the day when I was like, well, I want to talk about it. There were people on my team who were like, no, you you can't talk about that. Like, you're an artist and you're here to entertain and you're not here to talk about what's going on in your life. And I think, I know, I think, (laughs) I think that's very, very far from the truth of um, what people actually want in an artist. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's, and that's why. 
that's why when I texted you earlier and I was like, you know, I have zero questions for you that this is why, because it's, I feel like it's important for you to tell your, you know, and I think some people see artists or people in, you know, some sort of spotlight as not actually being people, you know? And it, yeah. You know, and I and think I, that's the problem. When people are chronically online, they like, everything is a joke. Everything right. is funny. And I'm like, no, we're humans too. So right. user, whatever, whatever. It doesn't hurt when you tell us like we're worthless. <laughs> right, right, right. And you know, it's, it's always been, you know, my goal with this show is to, you know, let you tell your story because now, now that, you know, somebody hears your story or hears this part of your story, you know, they'll go back and listen to your music and go, okay, I, I can kind of get or understand where she's coming from when she sings this song or that song or, or whatever, you know, there's a different kind of connection, I think, with the music when you actually know somebody's story. Yeah. And I, I, that's when I started songwriting is when I finally had feelings to songwrite about. Yeah. Around this time I met Nolan Neal. Hey everyone, don't forget to check out our friends over at the afterglowboutique.com. That's the afterglowboutique.com. Or if you're local, they have a great shop at 43 Main Street in Blackstone, Massachusetts. All Boots and Whiskey podcast listeners get 20% off at checkout with the promo code BOOTS. That's B-O-O-T-S at checkout for 20% off at the afterglowboutique.com. Check them out. Tell them the Boots and Whiskey podcast sent you. Um, who was on The Voice and on uh, America's Got Talent and um, at that time was... Uh, a recovered drug addict and just like an amazing, amazing, amazing person. And he really helped me. He's one of the biggest reasons why I write the way I do today. He would set, sit me down and make songwriting fun, which is what I needed at that time because songwriting always felt like such a burden to me. And he was like, no, you can write your feelings out and it's therapeutic. And, um, so the time I spent with him, I mean, we wrote Finally Free and The Crow and The Spell and I Don't Need You and half the songs I've released today. It was really, really crucial because I was like, I don't want to do country anymore. At that time, I was done with country. They weren't letting me sing what I wanted. They weren't letting me look the way I wanted or act the way I wanted. Yeah. Uh, and my influences were changing. I was listening to a bunch of like insane women like Courtney Love and uh, <laughs> Amy Winehouse. I love I love the the um, kind of grungy rock, not your typical women in music. And they, there was none of that in country. Yeah. And it wasn't happening. There were no jelly rolls. There were no like unconventional country artists and so there was no l king at the time no and i i went into that right with him and i said i don't want to write country i i want i want to change my sound and we wrote finally free the day we met and i knew just like he was going to be such an important person in my journey wow that's awesome and, uh, yeah he passed this year um and to a drug overdose but honestly everything he taught me and the way I write now and the moody lyrics and all of that I I learned it all from him so he was kind of like my music mentor yeah wow god you've been you've been through a lot yeah holy shit now now let me ask you how how is dad doing now dad is recovered awesome um fully um recovered and sober and he he's just the best he's the best dad ever so i forgive him for everything he put me through because he honestly time and time again has just been there for me he's my little roadie he's at every one of my shows and um just an amazing person and so so strong that's awesome yeah that's 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 incredible i'm so glad to hear it you know it really now how how long has it been since all of this is this has happened so nolan was recent about seven or eight months ago but um 
all of that was when I was 16. So I'm 19 now. Not too long ago, but it feels like years and right. years. Wow. So so you're only, I, I say only, um, but you're only 19. You have the voice of somebody that has lived a life, which is, you know, I, I don't mean that rude at all, you know. But No, I appreciate that. <laughs> um, you know, because it's, you, you get some of these younger, you know, especially the female artists, you know, they have that like, you know, <laughs> Again, no disrespect to anybody, but they have that like life is great sound to their voice. Yeah, right. Because yeah. they haven't gone through anything. But you know, for you, unfortunately, you've been through, you know, a lifetime of shit in less than twenty years. And I, honestly, I'm telling you, I'd love to do a study, like actually see a real study on how trauma affects the voice, because I had that same life is great. Yeah. Um. And I think that's why I like the tones of all these damaged women in their songs is because, like, there's something about actually going through things that completely changes your creative mind and your process. Yeah. You know, and I, I love what you're doing for with mental health. And I think it's super important because I don't think, you know, and I, I'm going to just talk from a male perspective here for a second, if you don't mind. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't when it comes to health, mental health, especially in men, like, I don't think we get, we don't, it's not taken seriously, you know? No. Because there's this stigma of, you know, and, and, and trust me, I've had it, I've had the outlook too. It's like, you're a man, deal with it, you know, get over yourself, right? But Well, like, that's what they tell right, yeah, men to do. <laughs> right, but like, you know, you, you talk to, you, you know, you talk to people and you talk to guys, especially, and like, you actually are able to, you know, get them to take their walls down and actually talk to you. It's, it's amazing how, you know, how heavy life is for a lot of guys. Oh, yeah. And I think I've been lucky enough to have a dad who's always been like, I'm like a bad motherfucker. And I will, I'll do what I have to do. But like, I can also cry and be okay right. with that. Right. Oh, yeah. Hell yeah. You know, it's it's crazy. You know, you, we live in a world where it's like, you know, if you're a man, you don't cry. If you have no emotion, you have no feeling. You know, know. Just, and it's, it's like, it's not the 1920s anymore. Right. I don't right. understand why we're still stuck in that. Right. Men, like, can't cry, but women can just be, like, a mess. Right. 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 Trust me. Trust me. Some, some of that has gone a little too far. But... Yeah. <laughs> But, yeah, you're right. you know, <laughs> yeah. but, um, you know, I, I say it all the time. They don't make men like they quite like they used to, you know, yeah. and, and I'm a product of that. <laughs> but, yeah. but still, like, you know, there's there's still a level of, you know, reality to it. Yeah, which is why I love, like, as I said, Jelly, I think he's absolutely amazing what he's done for Nashville, what he's done for himself and men. Yeah. Um. He's one of those people who's like, you know, he's a really, really rad human, but he could also be completely okay with like crying right in front of everybody. And right. I think that's super, super rad and different because yeah. all these, all these men in like country music, there's like a disconnect. They have amazing voices, but you never actually get to the root of who they are. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, especially not you know, candidly, you know, you might get to the root of who they are through their music, but even that, you know, there's still, there's still a level of, you know, distance. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's crazy. So let me, let me, I'm going to go back a little bit. Now, is that EP from when you were 11, is that still out there in the world somewhere? Uh, it sadly is. It sadly is. <laughs> it sadly is. <laughs> and there's music videos to go along with it. Oh, God. I got to dig those up. Or, you know what? Better yet, I think you should send those to me because I'm curious. As hell. I will. Yeah. It's one's called Texas Swing, and the other's called Kiss Me. And it's actually funny because uh, looking back, everything was like so nerve wracking to me. So I wanted to throw up while I was making these music videos. And oh, now sure. it's like, whatever. Yeah. It's a music video. Um, but the guy in the videos with me, like he became one of my like 
longest friends. We've been friends since that age and never stopped. So I guess that's like the good thing about all of that. Uh, I wish somebody would have been like, wait till you're like 16 to release music. (laughs) That's awesome. So, so now, you know, now what are you doing now? What are you know? You know, because I, I, you know, looked this up and did all that stuff, and mm-hmm. you have quite the social media following. Like, how did that? How have you been able to build your brand to what it is now? So Instagram back in the day was a wild place. Yeah, it sure um, was. It was, and you could you could easily build your algorithm with the right, just like hashtags and techniques. And so, I was honestly all I was doing was posting consistently, putting the hashtags, um, following people who were like-minded like me and seeing who followed them and answering people when they commented. No one, like, wants to answer the people who comment on their posts. And I'm like, that's the most important crowd, and you need to, like, focus in on that. And so I've just been building it for years and years and years and doing it that way, which is why I think my Instagram following is so huge. Yeah, because it is. It's like I, I started, I was like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> <That's pretty laughs> I good. know. That's I know. And good. I always tell people I did not pay for that blue check. Like many of them think you're supposed to. I'm like, no, I earned that. I yeah. never paid for it. And when I got it, it was like I got a Grammy. It meant yeah. a lot. Yeah, did you, now, now at that time when you got yours, did you have to like submit and all that or was it just given? Oh, I submitted like a yeah. hundred times. I was not letting them give up on me. Yeah, yeah, because I've, I've thought about it on my end, but I like, I think you have to have like an X amount of followers before you can even, you know. At that time, I think it was like, I don't know, like, I've seen really small accounts have blue checks, but they paid for it. Right, right. So I, I don't know. I might even pay for Instagram's it. weird. It is. I honestly it feels nice. It just feels nice to feel important. Yeah. Right. Hell yeah. <laughs> now do you do you do anything else like TikTok and any of those any of this shit? Any of that shit? Yeah. So yeah, hell yeah. I am not very good at posting on TikTok. I have not fallen in love with TikTok like I should. Yeah. Um my I did have a video go viral. It wasn't of me singing. It was of me making fun of Nickelback. Oh, come on. Leave Nickelback alone. Uh, no, I alone. love Nickelback. Do no, not they get suck. me wrong. I love uh, Nickelback. Yeah. You know, I think Nickelback's one of those bands that, you know, we love to shit on, but deep down we love to love, too. Oh, no. I love This Is How You Remind Me. Like, that is my go-to song. It um, wasn't even around the year you were born. Well, okay. So <laughs> I always like to say I was truly raised white trash and I'm proud of it. I'm very proud of it. Like I come from, I grew up in a trailer park. Um, and so you would assume what my parents' music taste is. Yeah. And uh, that was kind of the video. It was like Gen Z hating on Nickelback, but I grew up with a hillbilly trailer trash father. So... <laughs> <laughs> I yeah, and it it got like gosh five hundred thousand views in like a day, and um then I just didn't post consistently afterwards. <laughs> That's awesome. That's a you know you know go out when you're on top, Bailey. That's why I said yeah. I mean, uh, now I'm trying to post more original stuff, yeah. but honestly, I'm better at just being funny on TikTok. Yeah, yeah, we. I say it all the time, and you know, my wife says she's like, you know, you need to post more on TikTok. You need to post more here and that. And it's like, there's so much that goes into posting a TikTok video that it's, you know, it's like, oh. And no one understands how hard. I know, I know, this is really tone deaf because I, I also have worked in retail and worked very much real jobs. Yeah. Um, but there's a lot of work that goes into like content creating. There really is. Like, it's a full-time job in and of itself. It is. And I know people are going to be like, whatever. Like, and I understand that. There are people who work much, much harder. Oh, yeah. But the dedication and creativity, and especially when you aren't feeling creative. Yeah. It's yeah. like, what do I post? Like, what, do you want, <laughs> what do you want me to say? Yeah. So, I mean, recently I've just been releasing a lot of music this year. Um, just had a show about two days ago. I've been 
touring. I went to Montana and Utah and um, got to do some cool things there. Been really starting up with this mental health movement. Um, I made a little podcast with it, but honestly, I need to get better with that too. So I have a lot of goals for like 2023 in general. And um, yeah, just doing the music thing, navigating, still being a teenager, but almost being an adult is really terrifying. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, it's it's funny because it's like you have you, how many podcasts have you done? Um, in general, yeah, I can't even, I can't even count. Because, like, you know, it's I usually have to, um, you know, depending on the guest, I used to, have to I usually have to like pry shit out of people, and and then um, I'm just like, and you're just Hi. like, well, this is what I've got coming out, and it's like, wow, I can't even, I don't even have to ask. It's awesome. I think it's also like being media trained, yeah, from a young age, um. It's wonderful because now when I do interviews, they're like, well, this wasn't painful. And I'm like, I'm very, very happy about that. Yeah, no. And, and it's it's awesome because, you know, I don't, not to not to bring the, the, the curtain back too much. Actually, I don't care. My life's pretty much wide open. Um, yeah. I have zero media training. Absolute zero. I started this strictly out of boredom. I was reviewing Eric Church albums that I liked. And I got sick of talking to myself and I wanted to talk to somebody else uh, yeah. because talking to myself was driving me nuts. And that's saying something because I'm an only child and I love to hear my own voice. <laughs> um, that's hilarious. So, you know, I, I opened it up to people and I was like, who wants to come on the show? And like the floodgates opened and I was like, you all really want to fucking talk about yourself? <laughs> like, it, it's unbelievable. And that's the, like, I don't necessarily like talking about myself, but I do like telling my story. Yeah. I think it's very, very um, relatable for a lot of people. I, oh. I have people in my DMs, like, trauma dumping to me, and I'm like, that's fine, because I'm trauma dumping to all of you. Right, right, right. And and that's great. I mean, I mean, you know what I mean. It's it's not great you've gone through what you've gone through, but it's, yeah. it's great to be able to have a voice in people... <laughs> you know gravitate to it speaking of eric church (laughs) (laughs) um what is your favorite song from him uh my (laughs) not me asking the question (laughs) no 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 i love it i you know i love when my guests ask me questions because it's like i'm always the one that's like well tell me about you tell me about you and yeah you know i'm so full of myself that i want every now and again i want to be like well what about me you know (laughs) yeah no um so my favorite eric church song um (sighs) i i have two um one is wrecking ball fact yes um and you know, I'll tell this story because my wife doesn't listen to my shows, which is okay. Uh, <laughs> but you know, we had—it's kind of like a my wife and I song. You know, yeah. Anybody that's ever listened to it, like they get it. Um, so that was one. I wanted to actually play it at the end of our wedding, but she wouldn't let me. Uh, <laughs> but that's I mean, okay. I mean, when my when we were in the car when I first heard it and. I remember my mom being like, that's a hit. And I'm like, well, yeah, he wrote, wrote it for women. Right. So. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and I really love lightning. Lightning's good. Yeah. It, and I, I think, honestly, I think lightning is one of Eric's best storytelling songs he's ever written. My own's kind of generic, but it's, it's Springsteen. And okay. it's because I'm from Philly. Yeah. Um, my mom is the biggest Bruce Springsteen fan used to go to all of his little shows back in the day like trying to meet him that's awesome and so I have a born to run tattoo like it's it's an actual thing that's awesome yeah that song was a jam yeah he just makes really feel good music he really does you know I so my real first um run-ins with country music where eric church um i had worked at a smaller venue um out out here where um the patriots play that no longer exists and eric would come through like twice a year and um i had friends that were going to the show and i was you know i was like 
you know, I typically started the show and then left before the show even started because I was all done work. Yeah. And um, they were like, listen, you have to stay. You have to see this guy. And I'm like, I really don't like country music. And, you know, at the time, <laughs> I really didn't. Like, it, it's only been within, like, the last seven, eight years. Yeah. You know, within the last decade, I would say, that I really like country music. And um, they were like, just check this guy out. And I was like, all right. So the first time he came through, I saw him. And I was like, damn, that was, that was great. And then the second time he came through was later in that year. And, you know, it went from a half full venue to a sold out venue in minutes kind of thing. That's insane. And, it, you know, this was all within like the first two albums he ever put out. Um, and it was just incredible, like, ap- like mind blowing. And, you know, for me to see him in a small club like that to, you know, now being able to see him at Gillette at you know bigger bigger arenas it's like damn like that's that's full circle that is full circle and it's rare that like you get to see them at that point right yeah there's not a lot of like legends living today that you can see live no there really isn't and you know you know i i see all these new newer people coming up and um you know within the independent world or even people that have had hits on the radio, you know, and like nothing against them. They're all great, you know, but there's, there's nobody that I've seen in the last year and a half, two years that really jumps out to me that says, you know what? All right. In 10 years, this person's going to be huge. Also, don't forget our friends over at hogwash and rhinestones.com. Our good friend Ray is the owner over there. She makes incredible clothing that you've seen all over the place from Nashville to Boston to everywhere in between. Some really big names have worn her stuff. That's hogwash, the letter N, rhinestones.com. Check them out. Tell them the Boots and Whiskey podcast sent you. You won't be disappointed. Check them out. Hogwash and rhinestones.com. I kind of feel the same way about it. Um, and I think it's because people are making music for radio yeah. and not making music to just make music, which is why I love, like, I'm in love with, and I was, I was listening to these people before they were big. I just need to say that. <laughs> and yeah. like, um, like, I love that side of things, but there's no females that are like jumping out to me. No, no. You know and what? You know, I I think the only female that's out there right now that is at their level that has the potential to jump out is Margot Price. She does, but I feel like, like, I don't know. Yeah. No, but they I'll won't let you. her. I, I think her sound might, might hold her back. They won't let her. No, Just right. because of what she sings about. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I agree a hundred percent. Which sucks. Yeah. I, I was talking to someone Speaking of seeing bands live, I did a Led Zeppelin cover at my last show. I we always do whole lot of love. Yeah. And the guy, this guy came up to me afterwards and he said, "I loved your Zeppelin. I saw them at Woodstock, like an older guy." And I was like, "Well, you have to tell me more. Like, what were you doing at Woodstock?" And he was like, "I don't know. We were all like insanely high." Right. Right. (laughs) I'm like, well, then you really don't know what you were. (laughs) Right. Right. You don't even know if you actually did see them. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. That's, 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 damn. Um, You know, because growing up, that's, that's what my life was. You know, my parents, it was classic rock. You know, my yeah. first my first concert ever was Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. And oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. You know, and that was you know, nineteen ninety-nine, I wanna say, two thousand-ish. Um and yeah, we just you know, I saw Kiss Kiss was like my second concert ever, you know. So I've seen a lot of I've seen a lot of shows and I've seen a lot mm-hmm. of the greats before, you know. Before, before they yeah. before they couldn't do it anymore at that level. Yeah. Um, you know, and I'm I'm very fortunate. You know, I got to see McCartney, I got to see Santana, I've seen Eric Clapton, you know, I've I've seen, you know, I saw the Allman brothers while they were, you know, still all together and still alive, and it was mm-hmm. just awesome. And it, it my dad actually saw Stevie Ray Vaughn. He's oh. from Texas. 
and he was a kid when he saw Stevie Ray Vaughan in one of the Texas bars, and I was like, that's rare. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I've seen Ozzy. You know, I saw Ozzy like, a couple of times. Um, you know, during the whole Osbournes craze. Um, but, that's insane. Yeah. That was such a weird time. It was. Reality. It was a weird time. But, you know, my parents got to see Randy Rhodes play with Ozzy. So it's, <gasps> wow. Yeah. Yeah. They're really they're really OG. Yeah, oh yeah. Yeah. And Rock. like you know, I, I think I think the story goes is my parents saw them with saw Ozzy at Randy Rhodes. I wanna say it was in Worcester. I know my father's listening to this and probably gonna be gonna text me and be like, No, that's not what it was. It was this you know. Um but um <laughs> you know, I know I know it was shortly before Randy had died, you know. Yeah. So but to be able to be like, hey, I saw I saw Randy Rhodes shortly before I died was, you know, it's something. I think that's really amazing. I I know my parents have seen crazy. Like my mom loves Prince. She saw Prince. She oh, saw. I, I mean, Elton Elton's doing his farewell tour, but she saw him too. Yeah, and... I would have loved to have seen Prince. Right, like there's no there's no one that. I really there's people I want to like I'm going to the Jelly Roll concert tonight at Bridgestone. Oh nice. Yeah, the last time I went it was when he was at the Ryman and everyone was like smoking weed in the church. I was like, "Babes, right. We don't I, have to be this white trash." No, yeah, like cut that out. That's the Ryman. <laughs> right? The That's the mother church. People. Like, fuck. What are you doing? <laughs> um, you know, yeah. it's funny cuz Jelly Roll was here earlier this year. And before before he kind of really broke out, you know, and everybody was before Son of a Sinner, you know, yeah, hit the radio and all that. And like, obviously, be doing this, like, I knew who he was, and um, I didn't go. And like, I wish I had. I really, really wish I had. You know, he is proof that it's really the person you are. Yeah, because his music's great and his voice is great, but it's him. And his wife and his daughter and just the whole thing. Like, they need their own Osborne show. Right. Like, it's a little white trash bash. And I love it. I just, I, I love them, so. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it's, I, I love their story. I really do. You know, because, I mean, you look at them as a couple, right? And mm-hmm. Very you know, unconventional. Right. Social, the social norms we live in, you know. Nobody that looks like Bunny is going for anybody that looks like Jelly. <laughs> yeah. It's just not happening. Yeah. You know? And it, but, like, they work. And I, I'm with you 100%. You know, Netflix should jump on that shit and be like, hey, we're going to give you a show. They really should. Because... You know? I mean, they gave they're... Kofi Anderson a show. Give fucking Jelly Roll a show. They always give, like, the funny Southern family shows. Yeah. So. Right. Right. Yeah. Know. You know, it's it's crazy. It's really, really crazy. So when you're, how, how often are you playing shows? So I, I try not to, I refrain from playing on Broadway. I play there sometimes. Well, I don't blame you. It's a, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a mess. It's not like, um, it, it's not like it used to be. No. And I, I tell people don't aspire to be a Broadway singer, aspire to be a stadium singer. Right. Um, I try to play shows at least for a month. I know that's not a lot, but I I don't know. I like to create music more than I like to do shows. Okay. As bad as I love shows and I love the adrenaline rush that comes with them, but I'm also an anxious person, so I get stressed out. Yeah. I like to just be like in the studio and like deep in the creative process. That's my favorite place to be. So are you doing this full time or do you have um, like a, a another source of income in between? So I'm not doing this full time at the moment. I work at Sephora. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, my parents would never allow me not to have another job. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, they're, they're both super hard workers and um, they've kind of instilled in me that I have to be the same. Yeah, Plus, that's, that's great. Yeah, it's pretty difficult to That's make. Great. Now you know it, it's funny because I I love I love asking that question sometimes because it also brings the human element to it, right? Where yeah, um, you know you do have a a job, 
Um, and, you know, a lot of artists don't want to allude to that, like, at all. Like they I know, like... which is, like, bullshit. Right. But it's, it's because a lot of the younger artists that you see down here don't have a job. Right. And they're just really, really privileged and lucky. Right, right, <laughs> right. You know, but, like, even, like, the local scene around here, like, in Boston, like, the local country scene, like, there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of people, um, you know, some of them are great, some of them are not so good. Um, but, you know, there's one artist out of here that is, he's, he's awesome. Like, I think he really has what it takes. He has, he's had, he's been on, like, Texas country radio and, um, and all that stuff. And, you know, I, I know because I, I know him so well and I'm probably fucking, you know, said it out way more than I should, but like, I know he has a regular job, but you would never know. You, and, and he doesn't want to allude to it at all. It's so, that's so funny because I have people coming to my work and they'll be like, I know you, I don't know where I know you from, but I know you were like people from music and I don't know, unless I've made it like entirely big and I can make all my money from music, I'm going to have a normal job. That's awesome. Good for you. Good for you. Uh, um, thank you. Yeah. So what does... What does the next year look like for you musically? Like, do you do you have like a you know I I only release music every so many weeks or months or you know what does that look like for you? So I have a lot of the music for the next year already ready. The music videos ready. Um, I've pre-planned a lot of it, but I also have a bunch of new music I've been writing that I'm getting in the studio to record actually tomorrow, and um, I'm working with somebody new who i'm very very excited about so it might sound a little bit different nice um, yeah i'm excited about that just a lot of writing getting things together we finally found a brand that i love and that fits me truly um so just kind of grinding that all out oh i love it i love it i can't wait to see what what else you what else you get out there because what you already have is great. So I can only imagine, you. you know, and I, I can't wait to go back and listen to what you have out. And, oh gosh. And, uh, you know, just, just knowing your story now and, and yeah. understanding it, you know, because you it's like, see, you will see where it's like, something, something <laughs> happened. Yeah. Because, you know, I was listening to some of it and it was like, there's a little angst to this. And it's like, I wonder why, you know? Yeah. And well, I love there's, it. there's your walk. <laughs> right, right there, there it is. I, I now I know it's, it's awesome. I, I Thank love you. that, you know, and I love that you, I love that you have a team, that you know, gives, I do. You know, gives off the again, not not to, you know, blow up your spot, but like, makes it like you. This is what you do. Like this is all you do. You know, I love that. Yeah, my team is absolutely amazing. I've. It's, it, it was a lot of trial and error trying to find the right people um, in Nashville. And actually half of them aren't even from Nashville. Right. Um, but it's just about who you feel comfortable with and who you have like a true connection with. Half of these people are actually like family to me and friends in real life. And that's awesome. Um, I think you need that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, you're I've uh, you know, I've. I, we so I'm like stuttering now because I'm like just so in awe of how how great you're doing. Oh, um, thank you. You know, we we've recently started a uh, like a management a quasi management company and have taken on some some clients and and all that. And you know, it's interesting to deal with management companies and PR companies and like see the way they do things and the way I do things. Yeah. And um, you know, it's so different. You know, because I'm I'm you know, I care about the artist. I care about, you know, getting them heard, you know, and I, you run into managements and PR people that are like, well, we have to keep this, this, this image. And it's like, no, we don't have to keep anything. You know? No, you really, you really can reinvent yourself right. as much as you want. And I, I was actually just, I love like researching artists. I'm a music geek in that way and so I know everything there is to know about like Amy Winehouse and I've I've studied her and studied her and studied her but I was just like researching uh 
Lana Del Rey. And this girl has, like, reinvented herself, like, five times. Yeah. So you can always, and, and it worked. It finally worked. Yeah. And she's, like, uh, I would say very, very popular. So I think it's, you can do what you want. There really are no rules. No, there isn't. You know, it's, um, I remember, you know, when, when Lana first came on the scene, like, I was absolutely obsessed with her. You know, I know. You yeah, know, me what, too. What... I shouldn't have been. I was like 11, 12. Right. Listening to this. Someone needed to take my phone. <laughs> you know, and, you know, and I, I thought she, I mean, I still think she is. She's absolutely gorgeous. And her voice, like, is just mesmerizing. You know, like. Yeah, no, she, I. She could sing me the phone book and I'd be like, this is incredible. She was also someone who I think took risks. Yeah. And... Her, the way she dresses is the way her music sounds. And I love when those kind of like blend together, when the style and the music are the same. It's just very, very cool. Kind of like a Prince type thing. Yeah. Yeah. Very, um, very eclectic, but very, um, oh, what's the word I want? Very um, recognizable. Yeah. 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 She's, you know, it's, it's it's crazy how great she is and doesn't get really the the publicity of the recognition she deserves. Well, I don't think she'll ever be taken as seriously as she wants to be um, just because of the way her music is and because, you know, she's very, very pretty. I think sometimes people just look at, like, women as a pretty face oh, yeah. in the industry yeah. and nothing more and it's like no we can sing and yeah. we like we can write yep we can produce like we can do the same things as you right right so right no all right so i gotta ask you you know we we do have a couple of questions before we round everything out and uh um, yeah so uh, i'm gonna ask two questions that i always ask and I typically don't ask one of them to people under 21, but I mean, you open the door. So, okay. Yeah. Um, one is, I don't, you don't strike me as somebody that wears boots, but do you wear boots? I wear like not the boots you're thinking of. Yeah. What do you got? Doc Martens <laughs> and the. Like Doc Martens, yeah. very funky, like 70s kind of. I don't want to call them stripper boots they're not stripper boots <laughs> they, they look the same that's awesome why would you know what a stripper looks like bailey you're well i have a lot of i have a friends. lot of stripper friends <laughs> yeah i live a very i live a very unique life apparently i love it oh my god yeah. god i can't i can't wait for dad to listen to this episode he's gonna be so excited i'm telling you if i had like my own tv show They'd be like, what is wrong with this girl? Just put her in a fucking straight jacket because she's it literally it would be like an office episode. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that's awesome. So, all right, so stripper boots, we got it. Um now I I'm probably gonna get in trouble for this, but do you have a whiskey of choice in your uh, in your heyday of being a rebel without a cause? So I wasn't like a big whiskey drinker. I feel like that's like a I don't want to say an older person. Whoa. 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 Holy I shit. don't want to say that. Jesus. So when you're listen, when you're 16, you're not drinking you're not, whiskey. You're not. You're nope. drinking, I the closest thing like I always say that it was like Tito's vodka, which is so gross. And literally, I think of it today, and I oh want to throw. God, you're up. you're a stereotypical white girl. Way to go! Yes, thank you. Yeah. Um. <laughs> That's all right. My my wife's drink of choice is like Tito's and sugar free Red Bulls. So, so I would mix it with orange juice, and I would steal it from my dad, oh, and um, I would steal it from under his bed where he would put his alcohol. Wow. Yeah, no, That's... it was. I you... mean, it was that, and like, I remember my first drink I ever had was like Mike's Hard Lemonade. Those two make me want to throw up. Oh, yeah, they're gross. Because you drink them until you're like insanely drunk. Yeah. For no reason. Right, and it's all that acid and the acidity to it. Fuck that. Um, yeah, wow, that's. that's... You have lived a life, 
so far, Bailey. That is very intriguing, and I'm, I, you know, Thank I really, you. I really think uh, during this time I was on American Idol. <laughs> Wait, hold on, you were on Idol? I was. Like, did you make it far? So I made it to Hollywood. Okay, I made it to the first week of Hollywood Week. I got to meet. At that time, it was Lionel, Luke, and Katie. I was 16, so it was in the height of all of my bullshit. Yeah. Um, and I remember them telling me that I my voice wasn't country. And it was more like blues and soul. And I was like, okay, well, that's fair. Yeah. Uh, Luke didn't like me, but that's fine because I didn't like him either. Right. I always so... say Luke Bryan, never heard of her. Yeah, <laughs> he, my dad always shows me the Beavis and Butthead meme, which I love. Luke oh, now, yeah. like, don't get me wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As a person, he's hilarious, yeah. even if you don't like his music. Uh, but yeah, I made it to the first week of um Hollywood Week, got out the first round, and then like the problem with this is where my problem was with like reality TV is. They wanted to, you know, highlight my brother. I had a really sad story. So, of course, they wanted to talk about that. Right. Um, But they would make us, like, redo scenes where, like, my dad is sobbing talking about it. Or I remember when I got off, I got into the interview room and they were like, so how do you think? Because at that time, my dad had lost his job just because of everything he was going through. Um, How do you think, like? your parents are going to feel now that like you got voted off and like your dad lost his job and he was counting on you. And I'm like, what the fuck? Right. I'm fucking 16. Of course, like other people are crying, but I'm like, fuck y'all. Wow. (laughs) You know, that's why I guess I, I try not to talk about it because it was a good experience and I'm so, so grateful for it. But at the same time, it was shitty. Yeah. Wow. You know, it's it's funny you say that because, you know, we've had a lot of, I've talked to a lot of people that have been an idol or, you know, the voice or whatever. And it's, you know, even if I know going into it that they've been on those shows, like I, I hate talking about it. And, and I've, I've learned to hate talking about it. At first I was like, oh, they've been on idol or they've been on the voice. Like, this is great. Um, yeah. But now it's like, you know, especially again, you know, please don't take this the wrong way, but like you, you know, it wasn't like you were a top 10 or a top five, you know no. what I mean? So it's like, you know, yeah, it, you, you've made a great accomplishment. Right. But you know, nobody's going to listen to this because Bailey James was on idol. No. And honestly, I, I look at the way the, the shows aren't the way they used to be. Yeah. And they don't have as big of a platform. And I honestly think it's because, people are the artists are speaking out and being like like no they treat us like shit right right Right. yeah we had um you know we'll find out you know we'll we'll have found out by the time this episode airs but um morgan miles she's on the voice right now and you know she's made it to the finals and she was on our show like right right at the beginning of the voice starting for this this past season and you know she was obviously had to be very tight-lipped about everything yeah but you know she didn't at the time she didn't know where the hell she was going or what was going on you know it was just the you know the chair turns at that point for the voice um you know so so i like to say that you know we got into the morgan miles game before she was famous (laughs) you (laughs) You really did i mean you Uh, really did um you know we discovered morgan no we didn't at all um but yeah you know it's but I hear it all the time from from people and from artists, and it's how much of a shit show a lot of those shows are. They can be, and I I think they also can be like great platforms for people. But yeah, I mean one of the one of the girls that went to the same vocal coach as me, she got on the first new season of like American Idol when they had revamped it, and everyone was watching it. Yeah, and she talks about it like. It was the worst thing ever because it messes with you. Yeah. Singing and music should never, ever be a competition. No. Because everyone is creative in their own way. And right. that's why there's different genres and you can sing what we have free will. Like, right. we were just talking about that the other day 
me and another girl who was on one of those shows. She was <laughs> she plays in the band with me. Um she's an amazing singer songwriter and she plays the fiddle. Um it should never be a competition. No, not at all. Not at all. Well well Bailey, I let, I'm gonna let you go. I thank you so much for being on and Jesus, I, I hope we get to talk again on this show or even in general because I love what you're doing. Thank um, you. Yeah, hell yeah. I, I'm so excited to, you know, watch your story unfold as you as you continue because I, with what you've done and what you've gone through already, I can only imagine how much better it's going to get. I can only imagine. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Oh, and hell yeah. Me. Hell ramble yeah. on absolutely and, and um when i know when the episode's gonna release i will reach out to you and that we can you know work together and, and get it out there okay sounds good awesome bailey we'll have a great time at jelly roll tonight and, uh, <laughs> thank you you're welcome have a great weekend thank you so much bye thank bye you. Of course, we can't forget our friends at the Dirt Road Scholar Supply Company out of Canada. That's drsupplyco.com. They have great stuff. All of the hats I pretty much wear, all the camo hats you see me wear either on TikTok or in pictures or whatnot, all come from the Dirt Road Scholar Supply Company. A big thank you to those guys out there. drsupplyco.com. Check them out. Canadian company. Great stuff. Check them out. Well, there you have it, everyone. Our conversation with Bailey James and our last of these important conversations, these feel-good stories, these, um, you know, stories that need to be heard conversations for the month of January. So thank you so much for being a part of all of this. Um, next week, we start February. Holy crap. February is already here. Can you believe it? Um, but first, thank you so much for Bailey for coming on and telling your story and telling it so openly um, to you and your family. You know, we are we are always here for you here at the Boots and Whiskey podcast. And like I said at the top of the show, if you ever, ever feel the need to talk to somebody or want to talk to somebody or feel like you're all by yourself, you're not. Um, we are here for you. There's a lot of people out there for you. There's a lot of places you can go to talk to somebody. Please please talk to somebody um, and, you know, take care of your mental health. Mental health is huge. And, you know, it's not just for women. It's also for men too. Um, be, you know, take care of your mental health. Um, so yeah, you know, again, not to be a downer. I don't think this is a downer episode at all. I think it was very positive and Bailey is just kicking ass and taking names and, you know, she's going to be around a while. So, you know, get, get at her now because in the next couple of years you won't be able to so with that being said thank you so much again for being here for those of you all new tuning in follow us on all of our socials boots and whiskey podcast and we will see you next week and until then keep the boots on the ground and the whiskey in the glass y'all cheers <laughs>